Other harness don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a so place we play so far. Everything we're added to. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the make us play again. And make us ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. You got Dave riding solo, and I'm going to tell you what, it's late Tuesday night and crazy busy at work, and these podcasts are no fun after a loss, I'm just going to tell you straight up. Um, However, there's a lot of things that I liked that Alabama did in this game. And there's certainly some things that I did not like, but Alabama played well enough on hole to win. It just created too big of a hole. Uh, the team created too big of a hole for itself in the first half. Uh, we talked about after the Arkansas game that that may have been the first, uh, the best half. The first half may have been the best half of ball that uh, the Tides played all season. And against LSU, the first half may have been the worst half of ball that has played all season and it essentially created a hole that was too big to dig out of, uh, down by 20 at half. That's a big number. Uh, I have a great deal of, of, uh, pride and respect and appreciation that the team battled back to make it a 15 point game. Uh, Alabama outscored, uh, LSU in the second half and outgained from a yardage perspective, uh, over a hundred yards. And so the resolve and mental fortitude, that the team demonstrated in the second half is definitely something that we should hang our hats on. Uh, It makes the balance of the season challenging, but if we can have a couple of things break our way and we've got that sort of resolve in the tank, um, I'm not all in that it's going to happen, but if it does, I I really like uh, the chances with this team. Let's, let's start off and I'll hit some bullets. Tua, uh, to call Tua a warrior, I think is is spot on. Tua was 21 of 40, which is not his typical production, but the fact that he threw for 418 yards and four touchdowns uh, is is really an impressive performance. I think if you're in the selection committee, you have to appreciate that Tua came in, uh, wasn't 100% healthy. Uh, Coach talked about that in the post game. His numbers were very untua like. Give credit to LSU for that, uh, but some of that is just uh, rust. And then there were drops, just just four or three or four just uncharacteristic drops. Uh, Jerry Judy dropped one in the end zone. Uh, Devonta uh, just right off his hands, and we've talked about his hands before. And then Henry Ruggs got hit just right in the face mask. Um, I swear if he didn't have a visor, it may have just gotten stuck in, in the face mask. He, he, he seemed to get uh, hit pretty hard there. Those are, those are truly uncharacteristic. We lost the game. Again, I'm not trying to play sour grapes here, but there, there are enough things that happened that could have spun a different way. And Alabama would have won. Uh, so Tua, his performance certainly being one. Uh, now there's two sides to the Tua coin, or Tua sides to the coin. Uh, the fumble at the beginning, clearly that was rust, but that was very uncharacteristic. Uh, that was on uh, a possession that was going to lead to points, uh, potentially a touchdown on uh, the fumble scamper. 
and then later the interception that was thrown, and we can break that down. Uh, LSU scoring 14 points in, in about uh, uh, 30 seconds there to end the half is is um, not how you win games, and that's something that uh, easily easily could have been correctable. I want to talk. Uh, I want to come back and talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about Najee. 19 carries, 146 yards. Uh, he had his uh, had a long of 31, which uh, he had a couple bests. The long of 31 was a career best. The 146 uh, was a career best as well. And then he just looked as good as he's looked uh, while being with the Tide. There was a run that he, that he ran up the middle and, and, and made a couple stutters, a couple moves in the middle, continuing to move forward, following his blocking. But as it was happening, I just, my, just the thought in my head was the vision that he's showing in the hole and then, and then I kind of laughed at myself. I've never really, you know, connected Najee and Vision in that way before. He looked Mark Ingram-ish uh, in the hole, and so that was that was certainly good for Najee. Uh, the fact that he's coming on again, there's still season left, and there's still things that can break Alabama's way. And to see that development from Najee was was darn impressive. There were certainly points in the game where I was just aggravated we weren't running the ball. I really thought, especially as the game wore on, we can run against these guys. We can run against these guys. And when we forced passes, now we had success passing the ball, so there's a balance to this. But there were times where we forced passes and and it and you know had to turn the ball over, had to, had to punt the ball away. Whereas I think if we had continued to just run the ball, pound the ball, that we would have had success. Uh, LSU defensive linemen were dropping like flies, and I think we could have gotten some uh, additional momentum. I know the clock wasn't in our favor, and again, we had tremendous success passing the ball, um, but there were opportunities. I think there were chances uh, that we could have we could have continued to drive the ball on the ground, and and I certainly wish that we could could have done that. Uh, both the passing performance and Najee's running performance speak to. Uh, the performance of the offensive line. We talked. Uh, we have talked about them progressing and developing as the season has carried on, and I thought I, th- I thought we saw uh, certainly some of that on Saturday. Uh, again, LSU's a quality opponent. They're the best team that we've played before, so they can make you look bad. But as a whole, I thought the line looked really good. Uh, Tua got rushed a couple times, but he was in the pocket with a lot of time uh, several times as well. And again, when your running back uh, racks up a buck forty. Uh, your line's doing something really good there. Uh, we can talk about, again, the, with the penalty and the two scores before half, Landon Collins' uh, penalty. He's got a little fire in him, and that came to the surface at a time that that, that was not really good for it. But um, let me circle back to that. Uh, again, the line was good. Uh, they weren't great, but they were really, really good. Jahil, Jalel. Uh, Billingsley, uh, tight end. I think we played four, maybe five tight ends in the game against LSU, and uh, he stepped in with with Miller being out. He was really the, kind of the next man up, as as Saban indicated. And I think that's right. Uh, but nineteen, he played hit the most snaps probably that he's played the rest of the season combined. Uh, I kept hoping that we were going to work the ball to him, and at one one point I thought we did, uh, but it, it, we didn't. It was another receiver in the slot. Uh, I really would have liked to have seen us do something with him in, in the passing game. But I like that he got a lot of run uh, against LSU. That's a, a sort of a pressure pack situation for him to do that. 
And again, I thought the offense did well, uh, did enough to win the game. Anytime you put 41 points on the board, anytime you pass for uh, a buck 40, uh, a buck 18, or I'm sorry, for 418, you have the opportunity to win the game. And and we just kind of, we just kind of squandered away. Uh, we talked about Tua's uh, fumble and then the interception. I kind of ride with Saban on this. It's easy to get mad at the interception. It's with 26 seconds left. It's easy to say, gosh, we should just have taken a knee there. And, and I wouldn't disagree with it, but, and, and especially in hindsight, and, and I think coach said it right. You know, he said, gosh, if we knew we were going to do that, we would have just taken the knee and gone down, uh, gone in the half down by 13, down by 13 is better than down by 20. That's, you know, you lose by five and that's seven points. You know, there's some transitive math there, but you got to look at the other side of the coin. We have a historically great quarterback in Tua. We have an explosive and aggressive passing game. You're down by two scores. And if you can cut it to one score going into half, that's a lot of momentum. Then also factor in how many times as an Alabama fan, have you seen a coach take a knee, Saban's done it too, take a knee 20, 30, 35 seconds left to go in the half. They take a knee and just go to halftime. And you think, guy, with all of the weapons you have, why don't you just take a strike? What's the worst that can happen? Take a strike. What's the worst that can happen? Well, it turns out the worst that can happen is you can throw an interception, uh, get a penalty. And this is almost like the the Rube Goldberg machine of things going wrong, right? Because you could throw a pick six. I guess that's probably the worst thing. But you know, then you've got this sort of comedy of errors where you throw a pick, you get a 15-yard uh, penalty, and then you know your defense gags up. Uh, a score. And so, you know, they get that maybe that's the worst thing that can happen. That's a pretty crappy thing to have happen. But what are the odds of that happening? And so I don't, I don't feel bad about the decision going for it uh, in that situation, putting the ball up. I think hindsight's, you know, if, if you play to the result, then of course that's disappointing. If you play to the thought process and taking the calculated risk, I think on paper, probably everyone listening to this podcast uh, in, in sort of in their heart of hearts would, would agree, yeah, with two at quarterback, with those wide receiver weapons, with the fact that we're down by two scores, we need to steal sort of a, a, a possession here. And we know that we can throw it up, potentially score a touchdown, certainly get in, in reach of a field goal. We've got 26 seconds. You know, two doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, let's take the shot here and do it. I think a lot of people would have agreed to do it and, and, you know, we got bit by it. So sucks. Um, mini game ball for, uh, offense. Uh, I'm going to go Ali Keho. Uh, he came in later in the game. And again, he came in later in the game near the goal line, uh, short yarded situations where we were really having some success running the ball. He blew up a couple of folks creating just a, a gaping hole for Najee to run through. Uh, I thought he looked really, really good. He's still recovering from a broken hand, so he's not 100%, but the fact that he came in and and was able to lay some wood at the the fullback position, um, really liked liked to see that. I'd like to see us, and I guess we don't see it this year because he's got a broken hand. Maybe, um, you know, maybe if we play in January, uh, but I'd like to see us do something with him out of that uh, position. Uh, Maybe there's a flare pass. Maybe there's, 
you know, you sort of give it to the, the, the fullback dive or something. I think that'd be neat to see. But with his hand, eh, maybe not. So defense. Uh, and <laughs> there's a lot more sort of frustration, uh, if you will, on defense. Uh, Alabama gave up 559 yards, uh, 166 rushing, 343 passing, and uh, gave up eight of 15 third down conversions. Uh, of course, the 46 points as well. On the whole, um, I don't think we had much of an answer for LSU, which is really frustrating, really aggravating. And, um, you know, given the opportunity, I'd love to play them again because I I think we could come up with something. Uh, But on this day, we really had nothing for them. They moved the ball uh, almost at will. Uh, The fact that Tua, you know, the fact that, you know, you think scoring on turnovers, that's a big deal. Uh, The fact that we actually fumbled the ball, you know, the eight, nine yard line, and they were able to score off of that. Uh, I mean, that's 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 a 90 yard drive. Um, that's pretty darn impressive. And so I think that just speaks to uh, from from the go. We look good moving the ball. We gagged it up and uh, LSU looked good moving the ball and they scored touchdowns. Uh, that was uh, that was, you know, that was something to see. You know, a couple of things, uh, a couple of observations maybe that I that I had. Uh, not surprisingly, we played almost exclusively dime package, uh, six defensive backs. We started, I think we came out early in a nickel and, and we went quickly to the dime <clears throat> and I was counting six DBs, um, you know, all day we started and we've talked about this the last couple games when we've been in a dime, it's, it is typically, you know, a third and long or, or maybe even a second and long. And it's, it's truly a passing situation. and we do more of the rabbit rush up front. And so we'll bring in Markel Benton as the, the tight end. And then we'll bring in uh, a Barmore as uh, as a tackle. And we'll really uh, aggressively get after the quarterback. And that's the package that we brought in against uh, LSU at first in the dime. And I think we realized, Hey, they've, you know, we're going to be in dime all day and they still have a potent running game. The running back is is really impressive and he's a little fire plug of a runner. And so we're going to need some beef in here. So we went to you know, rabbit rush is, is sort of a saving term. I don't know what he would call this. Uh I'm going to call it a heavy dime or a big dime. Uh we would not we would rotate Barmore out and we would bring in Fildarian Mathis and then we played Tavita Masika um probably about as much as I've seen him play and certainly as early in a game as I've seen him play. Uh, you know, he was in, in the first quarter, uh, when we went to a bigger dime package, uh, and again, bigger up front dime in the back with Masika, Fodari Mathis and, uh, and others. And I felt that we gained a little bit of leverage on LSU when we did that. It seemed to slow their run down just a little bit, not not a lot, but uh, I think we got a couple uh, a couple of punts after we made that tris- transition. I think LSU made some ad- adjustments and they continued to move the ball, uh, but that that was just enough of a change to to slow them down a little bit. Unfortunately, uh, Alabama was unable to capitalize on, on some of those turnovers. Uh, there, at one point in the game, uh, we were both right at midfield. Uh, we both took a a, a third. Uh, a third down, and I think Alabama took a fourth down, and I think there were three straight possessions. Alabama twice, uh, LSU once. Were right at the middle, uh, middle of the field. Um, you know, we were just fighting over that same bit of real estate, and 
And uh, I was kind of kidding with some folks sitting around us that that's that's one tough you know patch of grass right there. Uh, no one no one can seem to get across it. Uh, and then sort of the game uh, you know opened up from there, uh, continued to open up. But there was a moment there that uh, I thought we could get the upper hand with our defense, and uh, that moment. That that moment certainly passed. Uh, LSU had 34 minutes of time of possession, and I think we talk about time of possession and plays and wearing on the defense. Uh, I think that went against us this time. Uh, Markel Benton, we talk, uh, we just mentioned him uh, because we were in the dime. He he saw a lot more play, uh, probably as much play as he's had uh, in any single game. He racked up eight tackles. Um, Probably, I think uh, that's that's the, that's a high number for uh, for his career. Uh, I thought he looked good. Uh, he looked out of sorts uh, a couple times as well. Um, not not too surprisingly. And uh, Barmore had just a fantastic day. Uh, I think he had uh, just a couple of tackles, but uh, he was active. He was everywhere. He had two and a half, or I'm sorry, he had a, a half a, a tackle for loss, had half a sack, and uh, was just incredibly active. Uh, anytime you, you know, who made the play, uh, you could bet it was Barmore and, and he was right there and, and it really, it, it looked like he would have bigger numbers than he did. There was, uh, there was a play, uh, just before Alabama scored a touchdown, there was, there was a play where, you know, the, the, the play got away from the line of scrimmage, but Barmore chased down, I want to say it was a receiver, maybe a runner, uh, chased him down, tackled him a yard or two short of the first down. LSU punted, uh, and then Alabama uh, quickly came down and scored. And and when when Alabama scored, you know, turned to a guy that uh, sit with and say, hey, you know, right there, that was a Barmore touchdown. Uh, kept them from getting the first down, for, forced the punt, and then Alabama was able to score. So uh, definitely going Barmore there. Trayvon had just sort of an up and down game. He looked um, he looked out of sorts early. Came on and played much better later in the game. Had a number of tackles. Uh, Xavier McKinney had uh, a number of tackles as well. Probably too high a number for uh, than what you really want to see for uh, a safety. But he does play some in the box safety. Uh, he is just a, a world class uh, player there at the safety position. Uh, he's we're, we're probably going to lose him after this season. And uh, Xavier McKinney, um, if you haven't sort of focused on him in a game. We've got a couple more chances this season. Uh, put an eye on uh, number fifteen in the secondary, and and uh, he'll give you a good show because you know he's he's quite a player. Uh, Anthony Jennings two sacks. Uh, he was dinged up at one point and uh, came back, so I like uh, like the fact that he was healthy and uh, he looked really good. I think on the day, if you were to sum up, uh, and I saw an article, uh, maybe it was a quote from Saban, uh, they were twenty five missed tackles on the day. And I believe it. There were a number of times we had uh, somebody wrapped up in the backfield, got a good hit in the backfield. Uh, if we make half of those tackles, if we make a third of those tackles, then um, I think there's potentially a different outcome. Again, I'm not sour graping on this. Um, I'm, I'm not if or nuts, candy, you know, whatever. Uh, I think this was a winnable game. It was a five point game and there were a number of plays that uh that are just simple plays uh that could have added up to you know five points uh five points or more i think the the sideline catch uh and this was the catch just before half i think that's the biggest uh, sort of bullshit uh that uh that's going 
Uh, I will agree that he reestablished his his foot, and that's what they were reviewing. Uh, uh, they made the call that he was forced out, and when and and so w- what I'm hearing is when you're forced out, the force is non-reviewable. The uh, but the reestablishing of the foot is reviewable, and in the course of the action of the play, that's one motion, and so you're segregating out part of the motion being reviewable and part of the motion not being reviewable. And, um, that kind of stinks. And, uh, I, I, that's that, I think that's sort of bureaucracy, uh, at its worst. And, you know, let's get that out of football. Let's either not review it at all, or let's review the football play, not some parsed out, uh, you know, languagey, uh, explanation of, of what you can and can't do either review the play or don't review the play, but don't don't give me uh, uh, sort of mixed measures on that. Mini game ball for defense. This is a hard one because the defense really struggled, but uh, I do have two guys uh, circled. Uh, I think Jared Maiden uh, had a pretty good day. Again, you have another secondary player with double digit uh, tackles, and and you know that's probably the wrong person you want making those tackles. Uh, but but uh, nonetheless, uh, Maiden had uh, 11 tackles, and he was certainly active, had, had some big hits. Uh, and then Barmore, we've talked about him. Uh, I, I'm at the point where I can't get enough of Barmore. Every time he plays, uh, he makes a play. He makes an impact. He makes his presence known. And so if you're not paying attention, you got to – you got to watch. Uh, you got to watch uh, number fifty-eight uh, along the uh, defensive front. He is active, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna make uh, a, a splash play. He's gonna stand out, and so that's another player to put an eye on uh, while you're watching the game. On special teams, and this is sort of the tale of uh, of uh, you know two sided coins as well. Uh, Bolivus was five of six on his PATs. Uh, Waddle had a big punt return. Uh, uh, for a touchdown, and then uh, Ty Perrin, uh, uh, Ty uh, Pirine, uh, had three punts, averaging forty-eight, uh, almost uh, almost forty-nine uh, punts. Uh, meanwhile, Bolivis was five of six, which means he missed a PAT, uh, PAT, not a field goal. Waddle had what I think a fair catch right at the end zone, which uh, he should have just let that ball. And this was on a punt, and so he sh- he should have. Uh, not fielded that ball. He should have let it hit uh, on a kickoff. On the kickoff, if you fair catch, they move it out to the 25. On a punt, they do not. And so you get it at the point of, of where you where you fair catch it. And so uh, to fair catch it on the five, he shouldn't do that. He should just let the ball bounce and go into the end zone. If it does, and, and again, that's sort of the gamble thing. One, you know, two out of 100 times, it'll take a funky bounce and not go into the end zone. But 98 times out of 100 if it hits at the at the at the four or five or six it's gonna go into the end zone and so um especially when when the ball is turned over it's gonna go into the end zone and see so he absolutely should have uh let that ball uh let that ball go into the end zone get it on the 25 and so there's a good play a better play that he made for the touchdown uh especially at that point in the game alabama needed that yes that was a phase mass should have been called uh, it's moot that it wasn't called because what are you going to do more than than score a touchdown? Uh, I guess they could have applied that on the uh, on on the kick or the kickoff. And then Piran fumbled uh, fumbled a snap, and you know he's got to get those nerves out. Uh, but damn, has he been just booting the ball, which is pretty darn impressive. 
Next up, Mississippi State. Kind of mixed on this. Um, on on one hand, uh, I feel like you know we're going to be a mad Alabama team. We ought to go in there and 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 just really beat up Mississippi State. Um, and 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 probably we do. Also know that Mississippi State's always a physical opponent. There's something about when we play them, uh, they always sort of rise to the occasion. They play us tough. We just played a tough LSU game, and so we're going to have uh, you know a little bit of wound licking. Uh, I haven't heard much about significant injuries, but still, you play a physical game and then you go play another physical game. Uh, you know there can be an additive uh, effect there. And uh, and then I wonder, you know, do we play Tua? How much Tua do we play? Uh, yes, I think we do play Tua. Uh, yes, I think we try to come out aggressive. Uh, boy, if we can get out to a 21, uh, 21 to nothing first quarter start, uh, you know, 21 to three uh, lead, uh, you know, in the second quarter, then we might start looking at uh, bringing in Mac Jones. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we are uh, aggressive in trying to get some points on the board so that we can bring uh, two out. On the whole, I think it's probably a 35-7 to seven type uh, ball game, and uh, it might actually be a boring 35-7 uh, to seven, uh, style ball game. We'll just, we'll just have to, uh, to see how that goes. So let's change topics. Let's add a new topic uh, tonight, or at least a, a topic for discussion this evening. Uh, recording on Tuesday evening, and the playoff selection committee uh, update has come out, and they've placed Alabama at number five, or position five, and I think that's probably as as good as we can absolutely hope for. Uh, LSU getting number one helps us, actually, and the fact that we're number five, Georgia's right ahead of us. Man, I hate to, you know, Georgia's not going to lose to Auburn, and I hate the prospect of thinking that I would need to root for Auburn, uh, but I would not, in this one instance, not be disappointed if Auburn were to knock off uh, the dogs. I think think LSU will beat uh, Georgia in the championship game, and I think the committee, if you start looking at uh, bad losses or versus good losses, you know, I think there's probably some people scratching their head saying, how is it that uh, Georgia's loss to South Carolina is rated better than Alabama's loss to number one LSU? And I think the differentiator there is 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 the win over Notre Dame. Uh, they were ranked at the time. And so if Notre Dame continues to falter, that may uh, unplug some of the love for Georgia. So interesting things to watch there. There's other teams that we can definitely – uh, use some help uh, help by uh, Minnesota beating Penn State certainly doesn't hurt us. I think Minnesota will lose um, at least one game coming up, and that's really all we need them to lose. Uh, they'll certainly lose to Ohio State. I hope I hope a uh, a pissed off Penn State gives uh, Ohio State some run for their money. I don't know if that'll happen. And then we need some uh, a little bit of stru- disruption in the pack uh, in the Pac-10. I don't like the prospect of two 11 and one teams playing for the Pac-10 cha- championship, and then you got an 11 one uh, conference champion versus, uh, you know, potentially an 11 uh, 11 and one Alabama team that's not a conference champion. Especially with our strength of schedule, um, I know it's Pac-10, but uh, it's a position I'd rather us not be in. Um, although I think I'd probably like our chances on that one. Uh, Oklahoma, if they are 11 and one in a conference champion, I don't know that I'll like our chances 
uh, against that one. And so uh, maybe if Baylor does some work this uh, this week. Now, they did lose to K-State, and that's a pretty ugly loss. Uh, so we'll kind of see how that goes. But um, I think every week we need to root for someone uh, to sort of knock off someone or someone to blemish someone. Um, and then I think um, uh, I think Auburn beating Georgia not only gives Georgia another loss, but it gives Auburn a big win. And so assuming, obviously, that we're going to beat Auburn, then that 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 buoys the team that we will have beaten. Uh, and so I think there's a there's a little bit uh, of thought process there. When we think about the selection committee, I'm not going to pretend to get in their heads, but if I think about the selection committee and I think about this Alabama thing, there's there's a couple of sort of intangibles that uh, they're that are going to come come to my mind. Uh, it's going to it's going to resonate with me that Alabama came back against this LSU team. Alabama was down and out by 20. Uh, we've seen this Alabama team cave in these type of situations uh, in this calendar year. And so the fact that Alabama came back and, and made it a game, the fact that Alabama came within uh, not just the mistakes and an injured Tua and sort of a rusty Tua, those, those things, again, not sour grapes, but just sort of the reality of the day, came within a, uh, an unrecovered onsides kick. Uh, to having a possession, and I don't think there was many people in the stadium that would disagree that in the moment it felt like if Alabama gets that ball one more time, there's a great chance that they're going to score and win this game. I think there were a lot of sort of puckering uh, uh, Cajuns in that stadium when that when that ball went up and it got the bounce. Uh, boy, if that ball lands in Alabama's hands. Uh, they were probably sniffing, sniffing the, uh, the heartache of, uh, of another loss. And if you're in the selection committee, you just have to wonder what if, what if they had gotten that ball? What if one other bounce had gone uh, a different way that this Alabama team hasn't, has demonstrated the resolve in this game and came just that close, uh, the explosive play. And there's there's a great backstory. Devonta was interviewed. Uh, the explosive play with Devonta scoring uh, that that you know 80 yard touchdown right at the end of the game. And of course, he had a phenomenal day with seven catches and and 213. But that last catch was was really set up with uh, and and you know you've probably seen it, but it was set up with uh, a little bit of film study where every time that Tua turned to the sidelines. Uh, to get instruction from the coach, the corner, Derek Stingley, uh, really talented, true freshman corner for LSU, he would turn to his sideline and look for direction from his coaches. And on that play, I, th- I think I think we were waiting, for, Alabama coaching was waiting for the right opportunity to sort of take advantage of it. And in that moment, boy, that sure was it. And so in that moment, Tua looked to the sideline, but that was just a ruse. That was just to get Stingley uh, to look away. And in that moment where Stingley looked away, they snapped the ball. And that was just that quarter of a second separation that Devonta needed to get ahead. And of course the ball was placed perfectly. And that touchdown was like magic. And you wonder <laughs> why haven't we been doing this all day? But there was a little sort of trick, uh, trickery built into that. And they were waiting for, for just the right time. But that, but that explosiveness just right there 
is is what made you think, gosh, if Alabama can just get this ball one last time, they have they have a legit chance to to score. Uh, and I'll say this: I'm going to go back and, and talk special teams. The possession before when Alabama punted uh, or when Alabama uh, kicked off, uh, the possession prior uh, when Alabama kicked off, that may have been the better opportunity to go for the onside's kick. Uh, LSU had all of their their guys up front, and they had a couple of guys in the back, and the whole body of the field was wide open. And and it's one of those situations where do you risk the onside's kick? I think the decision that the coaches had to have made, do you risk the onside kick now when there's still plenty of clock in the game? Do you risk it? And then not get it, and then it's potentially game over when there's still you know three minutes left in the game, or do you trust what you see and trust the play that you have up your sleeve for an onside's kick, and and you and you make it work, uh, realizing at that point that you probably do need to steal a possession, you probably do have an onside's kick in your future, so do you take it? Then, or do or do you defer? And 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 the easy decision is to defer. That's what that's what uh, the coaching staff did. And there's a little bit of sort of hindsight twenty twenty. What if we had taken that onsets onsides kick earlier? Again, all of that is not to take any way uh, anything away from LSU. That was just a damn fine performance uh, that they put out there. Uh, Joe Burrow is uh, everything and more. That uh, that I thought he was um, certainly better than I thought he could be. Uh, their running back uh, was was as talented and and productive as I was afraid he could be. Their receivers uh, were better than uh, I gave them credit for, and I probably and and as fans we've probably gotten used to LSU having talented receivers that their quarterbacks didn't know how to uh, take advantage of. Uh, a couple of guys are stars in in the NFL uh, that came through uh, sort of unheralded, if you will, from from LSU. And uh, this team has put all the parts and pieces together. So in no part, in in no way, do I take anything away from LSU. Uh, but as an Alabama fan who has watched this team very closely uh, this season, uh, there were five points to be had. I'll say that. At any rate, I am. Pleased and optimistic with what this team still has ahead of it. The fact that, again, they battle back down from 20. Uh, the resolve that we saw, uh, sort of the warrior uh, Tua, to borrow that that expression again, to see the development of Najee, the continued development uh, across the offensive line. Uh, disappointed in the defense, but uh, I saw a lot of resolve. I saw a lot of character uh, on this team, and I think there's a lot of football left in this season. And although I'm a little nervous on Alabama getting to the playoffs, if if we're in, I'd say we're we'll be a team to 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 capitalize on getting the second chance. I think this team would will appreciate the second chance, uh, maybe more so than other teams. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, Mississippi State, it might be over early, and uh, it might be a boring second uh, second half. Uh, is as uh, we uh, we just try to run out the clock and get back on the bus back to Tuscaloosa. So with that, um, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide.
Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.